As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for talking with me. I'm super pumped to talk to you because you're in the comedy community. I'm in the comedy community, but we've never sat down and had a full on conversation. It's always been like in passing, you know, hey, how are you? And that's it. Great job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which are probably my least favorite conversations to have because I would much rather sit down and do this. Oh, yeah. This is way more fun. Than be like, hey, great job. Okay, bye. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm glad we saved it all for this, though. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm Anyway, I'm so excited to talk to you. Usually the first question that I ask people is, is there a challenge or a low point in your life that you're most proud of overcoming? Or maybe you haven't overcome it yet, but that you're most proud of working on or having overcome. And what is it? And can you tell us about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um... This might be, well, most, I feel like most people in the UCB community know about my diagnosis by now. I mean, uh, if you asked me a year ago, it would have been, my dad died when I was 12. Um, and I had to go through so much therapy later in life to figure it out. Um, and I feel like I had enough trauma to fill up a few lifetimes, but I feel I felt a lump May 7th of 2022, and that's what me and my therapist are calling the shift. Mm. So, um, yeah, diagnosed with breast cancer about a month later. And, yeah, you're right. Um, Do you ever fully overcome any of it? Um, Maybe not, but the... The body certainly holds a lot of trauma and I do my best to now work, work it out or it gets, it gets stuck in your little bones and it weighs you down for sure. Um, and you can have a more negative self narrative if you don't work on it. Um, so I've, I'm just newly feeling better. I think I started to come back out into the world in February um because I had my double mastectomy in December um and I just had to get to those hair auditions so you know so <laughs> yeah I got it right out of surgery pop on over to UCB and I'll audition for hair <laughs> truly truly I look back at the like photos around that time and I'm like oh I was so I'm just I was so sick <laughs> yeah but but you had like you have such a capacity uh, for shit uh, or humans mm-hmm. do like your bandwidth just grows. Uh, and I really like get healthier every day. So it's, it's really gnarly to look back at photos of any time before today, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say what I'm working on now is um, this, this stage for breast cancer diagnosis, which is, I don't know, probably the worst news you could get. 
I got that it was stage four news uh, end of January and then end of February like I said like got into those auditions and made a team so I mean and then March had my first Herald show so I, I literally got the worst news of my life and the best had the best night of my life within a couple months of each other yeah which is <laughs> wild wait so this is 2022 so this is last year last year I felt the lump but this year we found out it had been stage four the whole time oh okay so when okay sorry I'm just catching up because like it's so much I just don't don't know much about medical diagnosis and and things like that but okay I didn't Um, either and now I'm like an idiot I'm a doctor doctor, I know I was gonna say uh are we still on for my yearly physical next yeah I can give it to you great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh okay so you get the diagnosis in, at the beginning of 2022 in january of 2022 no i get my initial diagnosis that i'm stage two okay. in, in june of 2022 and in january after chemo after surgery after i've been told i have had a complete response to chemo and then a week later being like there was some residual and then <laughs> a couple weeks later being like, we want to do a PET scan because they were trying to rule out radiation. Mm. And so as the radiologist was looking at my initial MRI and mammogram, he just wanted to, as my doctor put it on the phone, cross all the T's and dot all the I's and make sure a spot on my sternum wasn't anything. So it's something they didn't see initially. Um, And it turns out it it was, it was something. It was... uh, it had been in my sternum, my lower back, and my hip bones. And Make how it- did they not see this? Because I'm assuming you did PET scans before, right? I actually didn't do a PET scan. I did, um, I mean, right now I feel like disassociating because uh, initially I started on an HMO and just, uh, this is my hot tip for anyone. <laughs> right yeah, now give us to- the tips not be on an HMO. <laughs> right. My plan was to like be on the cheapest healthcare because I'm healthy. And Which young. is what I think almost everybody our age does, you know? Don't, and now I'm like, don't do it. I was like, oh, sure. When I turn 40, I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah. That blue shield stuff. Um, that, that was a nightmare. Um, also that made me forget what your question was. Oh, it's okay. Um, I was going to, I was talking about like pets. They did. Oh, they, yeah. um, I, I actually don't even know what the difference. I'm truly an idiot. I don't know the difference between a pet scan and a cat scan and a mm-hmm. MRI and all of that shit. So, so, um, I got my, uh, lump felt on my HMO by an old man that I didn't know. Cause it was a Saturday and my doctor was out. <laughs> okay. He was like, go get an ultrasound. Okay. Um, so when I um, called a million times to move up that appointment and finally got in for an ultrasound, they were like, ooh, let's um, let's get a mammogram immediately. So ultrasound okay. uh, is sort of like, the you know. Wand. Yes, the wand. Like, got it. Yep. See a baby. Yep, the wand, uh, which they pushed really hard into my titty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have really dense breasts. So it was like hard for them to see. They're like, let's get you on a mammogram. Mm-hmm. I'm falling my eyes out. 
um from anxiety from uh, yeah like pain oh anxiety panic yeah oh ever since I felt the lump it was fight or flight I just knew I just knew um and um the mammogram they smush your titty yeah Uh, I I had to have one yeah Oh, okay. So you yeah. know how phones work. That I do know how it works. Yeah, smush your titty and take some photos. Yeah, not fun. No. It hurts. Yeah. Um, it hurts. They, like, yeah. smush it, like... Like... They, like... It's like if you put a put it on a bookshelf and put, yeah. like, a bunch of fucking textbooks mm-hmm. on it and shove it like, down. They grab it like it's yeah. not attached to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they want to just hold the titty itself. <laughs> Put it on the bookshelf, right? And this, just smash it. Just smash it multiple times. And don't move. <laughs> don't uh, breathe. Don't move. I think they said, like, hold your fucking breath. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm bawling. And I'm like, can you just, can you tell me what's going on? And yeah. she's like, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, Yeah, so that's that one. And then. So they smush the titty. They, the titty, what happens then, next? Then um, the radiologist there was like you have cancer <laughs> wait while you were right when you did the right when you did the mammogram i thought they what they're, had not, the, supposed to. they're not supposed to yeah they're not right? supposed to um the nurse behind her was like whoa so when she she like sat me down and was like if it were my family member i'd want them to know do you have any questions for me and i was like um yeah probably can you give me a minute like you just that, told me i have cancer that feels like a re- like shouldn't that feels like a protocol they should follow right by not saying it right then because they like yeah so she left because i couldn't think of a question I, yeah <laughs> and she was just like get that biopsy asap and then the nurse uh like i text- hate i truly i'm interested to know your experience with the healthcare industry because that is one of the things that <laughs> i is like the bane of my existence and like everything every piece of art i make is based around how much it sucks yeah you're, you can't down. see but but there's two thumbs down um, out of ten. <laughs> okay so she's like hey yeah you probably want to get that biopsied piece and leaves um yeah uh then the nurse like technician is there and she's like um so uh, it could be it could look suspicious and be nothing. Sometimes it's suspicious and they bobsy and it's nothing and vice versa. Sometimes it looks like it's nothing, but it's something. So we can't really say. And I'm like, I think she pretty much just said. <laughs> so I go out into the waiting room and I'm just like bawling to my partner. Like, uh, like oh, but you have someone with you. Okay. Yeah. My partner was with me at almost every appointment, not the initial fe- feeling of the lump appointment mm-hmm. and not the like I I like made my gynecologist also feel it before I getting that um ultrasound but then from then on I was like as soon as my OBGYN like got me in and she, she was also like yeah I was like well then can you call because it's not for a month like and she's mm-hmm. like I called and they have a cancellation right now and I was like awesome I love when a doctor calls and like shit gets done I mean yeah I'm um, sure I'll go right now yeah and the job I had at the time was very cool about letting me take care of all of this because I was absolutely losing my mind mm-hmm. um, in fight or flight, not eating or sleeping. And so this just, is after the mammogram. This is uh, the gynecologist was before, and then okay, then and then my partner went with me uh, from the guy. Like I Got was it. like, 
I'm going from the gyno to here. Can you come with me? Mm-hmm. And he went, and then I'm bawling after that appointment. And then I hand them the slip on my way out from the mammogram that's like, ASAP, um, yeah. biopsy, ASAP, please. And then she's like, hmm, okay, well, yeah, in like a month. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> here we go again. I was like, are there any other locations? Like, I just know now that I have to be, you know, number one advocate, call every day for cancellations, that kind of thing. As I am now like starting to be like, I think I have to get off an HMO. That's when that started, that feeling. Mm-hmm. just like that says asap on that paper you're looking at it <laughs> she's like this is their soonest available and then i just looked at my partner and i was just like i don't want this to be happening to me like through all of the tears that you could have in your eyes <laughs> um but it was uh and my hmo wasn't going to order an mri nor a gene test nor whatever so an mri because um, that's what the question was, uh, is a very, I hate this machine. Some people find it soothing, but it's magnets. Uh, and there's, it's so fucking loud. Like, okay. You know, I know it. Yep. It, I did, Now I know what's, yep. D- did it. Yep. Claustrophobic. Yep. Uh, yep. IV. Um, and they don't, from, from my experience and do having to do that once they were like, they didn't, they're not like, Hey, do you get panicky in small spaces or which like I do? And I'm sure a lot, probably most people do. Cause on top of it, you're like getting a diagnosis for something. So there's already anxiety. They weren't like, maybe you want a Xanax or maybe we can like none of that. I'm assuming it's probably similar for you. I was already like from feeling my lump, <laughs> I was like, I need my I've had a prescription for like uh, 0.25 Xanax because I have um, like general anxiety my whole life um, or since I was eight. But um, so I've had that in the in the past. And I was like, I need that now immediately. So I already had that filled. Great. So, you know, eating those like candy already. But even then, that machine, you, you've done it. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking like not just. I mean, I read it, and they did ask if I was anxious, but um, they, they didn't do anything for me. <laughs> they didn't oh, you are? It. Okay. Uh, Oops, I, sorry. Go on in there. <laughs> I don't, Yeah, they didn't do anything. I didn't get a volume. I didn't get a, a bigger machine or a quieter <laughs> machine. Yeah. It's, to me, it sounds like uh, an alien rave uh, alarm like noises specifically made for me to go crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know you can talk to them mm-hmm. uh, but like it's like in two minute intervals so I'm just yeah, like now talking I remember to that. Yes. I was just like just get just get through these two minutes and don't lose your sanity because then you might not get your sanity back because <laughs> they're also like be very 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 still if you if you're yeah, not no. super still we're have to do it again so you better get it right and you're like yeah. okay so now i have to pass a test to not yeah. move okay th- yes and this yep. is from my titties so like i run i want to say i was laying face down too oh. with my titties mm-hmm. i don't have titties anymore as you can see but like um i'm just like you put them in a hole so like oh they're hanging down okay and you're down mm-hmm. but like yeah then they really like you're being like not wheeled in but you go in like so slow into your and that's like you're fucking 
breasts. That's like a private area that you aren't like, you're not like, yay, I get to expose my fucking genitals. You know what I mean? Is a breast a genital or is that just for your vagina? Genitalia probably has to do with reproduction. Probably. Whatever. It's not comfortable to be like, to take your, having to take your fucking breasts out, you know? No. On top of everything else. Yeah, I, I I also feel like I started to just hate my titties for betraying me immediately, almost. Mm. Like, as soon as I knew, like, mm. we weren't talking to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't touching them anymore. Other people get obsessive about, like, feeling lump. Make sure it's, like, I'm just like, we don't talk. I don't look at them. We don't, I don't touch them. Like, I'm, like, you're dead to me. Mm. The way I treat exes. Like, once you fuck me over, like, we're done and mm-hmm. I don't talk we don't talk anymore yeah <laughs> uh so I kind of was like like not even putting sheets on it like uh whatever like I'm just like whatever like whatever. These, yep. these are for science now I don't give a shit like yeah my body like I <laughs> like yeah because it's like you your body you now have no control over nothing. it's like the thing that you thought you had control over the the only thing you thought you had control over your body yeah. you actually don't so then it's like all right well then just fucking whatever yeah, yeah. as soon as that 90 year old man put his crusty hands on them as i was bawling and was like Oop, and i'm like fuck on that saturday when my doctor wasn't in and then and then let the nurse that it has awful bedside manner as well that I already didn't like and was like <laughs> I was like hey, uh, you should feel this too you know as like a, a teaching moment mm. like he didn't read the room and just like let her he was like here's normal breast tissue and here's here's fucked up tissue feel the difference and I'm just like I I'm ready to go actually I hate, I hate that so much. Actually, I could go. But that's sort of when I was like, these aren't mine. These are... Yeah. This is just for medical people. To, I mean, like, is that... Is, do you still feel that way about your body? There is like a... Like a... I've handed it over to science type feeling. Yeah. Like, just give it to... Give it back to me better mm-hmm. <laughs> when I came in. But now with the stage four... It's just sort of like a, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm still like learning this new mm-hmm. body. Yeah. Uh, as much as I am like grateful and everything, like I feel so foreign in this thing mm-hmm. because I'm in so much pain and it looks different. Yeah. Um, I'm cool with it. Like I love, I love the, my choice to go flat and everything. And I, that's a whole another podcast. I know because I people definitely assume you're gonna get implants which like is fine if that's what you want to do but it was to the point where uh, it's enough that doctors and family assume that you want to get breast plants but when you start to voice that you don't and then you're not heard that's yeah I'm interested in that because that's not something that I actually would even think like I actually am like oh I I probably wouldn't either because it's just like, like you said, this thing that like betrayed me, you know? (laughs) So like I, that makes sense to me. Um, but like how family, family and friends were just like, you, why not? Like, why not? Or you should, or like, what's the doctors? Well, they just, and doctors. Oh yeah. Why? 
why um before I left my HMO and like the final straw day I had in that office was essentially me being like release my chart to me because no one's diagnosing me oh no one's saying no one's saying the keyword so wait, they did the they did everything the is this after the biopsy and they still wouldn't diagnose you after the biopsy they're like they'll call you I got a call that was like you did everything you were supposed to do and like I had I had a scheduled appointment with a general surgeon because the radiologist was like it's cancer you should you know but like I couldn't see an oncologist before the diagnosis so I just had a general surgeon appointment to follow up with and in that appointment a day or two after they were like you did what you were supposed to do he was like has anyone told you you have cancer and I was like no and then I was like can I cry for a bit and he was like sure that'd be a normal human response he was funny and I liked him wasn't ever going to see him again but <laughs> um yeah I remember the nurse like sighing looking at my chart and being like and then he didn't have the full report so it was like we had this scheduled appointment for no reason uh because he was just saying well here's what people do in certain scenarios with your in your situation uh and said all he could (laughs) and then it was time for me to get another referral um so HMOs, they're just basically passing you passing you through, um, but you can't go to the next level until you get approval from the prior level mm-hmm. is what I'm is I think what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. And that initial oncologist through the HMO, like I said, he wasn't going to order the MRI. He wasn't going to do gene testing. Why? And it, and it was because uh, I think HMO likes to do the bare minimum cheapest route without it actually being illegal but I would have died through that process because you can't be like do you know do this thing they're like no we're not going to I think like you just don't even know like yeah and and thankfully I knew a lot more than they did because I was like on reddit on Mm -hmm. tiktok like Mm -hmm. finding people in my certain situation and like watching their whole journey so like I was in the oncologist waiting for him to say things like MRI and gene testing and I was bringing it up and he was saying like we don't need to do it and then I'm like I'm getting the fuck out of here like I'll do a GoFundMe if I have to like I'm gonna die here like I can't I get it you have to have money if you want to be alive in America I get it I get it but so I will have to do that I won't make a feature film I'll just do a GoFundMe for being alive so like that's what I had to do because the MRI is what changed everything. It changed because my second opinion, which was a uh, hundred times more correct, they like she said everything I needed to hear. Um, but she was also saying like lumpectomy until we got the MRI res- results. That was like, oh, you have so much precancer like strewn throughout your titty that we got to take the whole thing. And I was like, okay. They're, they're, they did that before they even did an MRI. They did what? They uh, took out, they like... No, oh, no the MRI showed that okay. it, I had a bunch of calcification. So okay. yeah, pre-cancer, DCIS. Um, so I was like, okay. Um, so like I had the like three centimeter lump, but then also like seven centimeters worth of all added up of junk. So like... An, like a 10 centimeters worth of garbage in there okay 
um which is a lot i guess it's like the size of an orange that's a yeah yes that's, that's a, lot. a lot of shit in there that's a lot of shit in the titty mm-hmm. so there was a lot of shit in the titty maybe that's why they didn't see the little spot on my sternum oh interesting they're just focusing on all the shit in my titty i mean as you're talking i'm like also it's like god forbid you trust the doctor who has years and years of schooling and experience you know it's like I you're you're over here on reddit and tiktok getting more information for yourself than a fucking professional who's been doing this assumingly for years and years and years Mm -hmm. that's not okay Mm -hmm. there uh I mean all the hot tips are through these like breast groups I'm on through like whatsapp and instagram and facebook it's like Without these anecdotes, like, I wouldn't know how to – there's so many hot tips and tricks. You just wouldn't know. And, mm-hmm. like, Claritin for bone pain. You just, like – Yeah. They ended up not telling me that and just, like, making sure I'm icing during certain parts of my treatment because nurses are busy and I have to, like, be on top of that stuff. So I'm, like, thankful for these people. Um, yeah. Where are – I'm just relying on anecdotal evidence. (laughs) Right. And which is also great because I can be like, has this ever happened to you? We all send photos of our rashes to each other or whatever. And it's all like, yes, 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 yes. And here's what helped me. And here's what helped me. And then I can ask for specific medication. I mean, it sounds like community has been a huge part of this journey. A hundred percent. And this probably folds into the theme of the podcast, but like asking for help, <laughs> ask for yep. help. That that is a big takeaway from this. Um, is that is that? No, I was gonna say, is that normally hard for you to do? It was that- normally hard, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how did that- you? Yeah, I was. Gonna, how did you? If it being hard, what gave you the ability to still overcome that and ask for it? I think seeing the outpour of like, you know, love and then people not knowing what to do or say. And then you're like, oh, I could tell them exactly how to help me right now. <laughs> and then we would both feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so hard to be in LA and I just got tough mm. living paycheck to paycheck trying to do art. Um, and I liked being tough, I think. Mm. Um, and then I I had actually started making real money a few years ago getting into producing and and then like really was like, yeah, I did it <laughs> without you know, someone paying my rent. Not that that is possible for me, but like, it just feels better, I guess, if you say you did it yourself. Mm. Um, and then I guess it's just ego. Mm. So it was hard to be like, <laughs> I mean, you just turn into a baby. It's truly like, but with chemo and this diagnosis. You're just helpless. <laughs> and then you really become physically dependent on others. And I think that's embarrassing. 
Mm. Um, have you ever like shit your pants as an adult? Because <laughs> I have. One, yeah. One, I was about to say yes, I have. <laughs> I've actually talked about it on this podcast. Great, <laughs> great. I want to bring that up for every episode for you. <laughs> but like. <laughs> Just like how you're just like sitting in your own mess and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. How did I get here? How did I... What? All this growing up just to like shit your pants again. Yeah. Sort of like all of this just to be all, need all the help in the world and you just have to like accept it because I mean, I don't, I really didn't have a choice. And that helped. <laughs> but like hearing you talk about like the difficulty in asking for help and then and then asking for help, it sounds to me like the strength lies there and the ability to ask for help when when it is a very hard thing for you and most people to do. So it's like such a reframe for me of being like, Oh, but that sounds like she is tough. But that is the tough thing to do. That is what being tough is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like in your head, in your mind, you were like, oh, this is the not tough thing to do. But like as an outsider, I'm like, oh, no, that that's hard as shit. That's the harder thing to do. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if that making sense or not. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's hard to ask for help. Yeah. And, and then you have to do it. And then you have to do it. And, and then people love to help and feel yeah. activated by that and symbiotic relation with your community um they love to help people they love mm -hmm. um and sometimes you really need it um and boy did i get all the help i mean that's why i'm here yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah when did and you switch from an like an HMO? Yeah, what? Because it like, did you need money to switch over to? Like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how does switching over work? Yeah, like, are you just like lying? Okay, all right. I'm just trying to get the hot tips lying. for everybody out there who is uh lie, 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 lie. Great, great. Um, yeah, super great. A great loophole for me was for switching because it needs to be like a life event or something. Yeah. But, that, uh, yeah, exactly. But um, COVID was on there. Oh. And I was like, I just had that. <laughs> like in March, I'll mm -hmm. click that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that worked. Um, and when I say worked, I was on the phone all day, every day, trying to switch insurance. It was, a, it was, it was, and I remember texting because people start putting you in touch with breast cancer survivors immediately. Mm. Um, and it's great. Like I said, anecdotal evidence and, and hearing people's stories. And I mean, it's just like, I was slurping it up. Uh, um, and they were like, this is the hardest part. And they're right. Because you feel so helpless and there's no plan in place for you. So you're just like, it's spreading as you're trying to switch insurance, <laughs> as you're falling through the cracks. So like the stress of switching insurance, the stress of an HMO, um, that probably is the hardest part of the whole journey. Um, but it's not, but it is. 
-hmm. like you feel so much better once you have a pen like when they're um finally uh shoving the the fat needle into your port (laughs) um the port so all my iv drugs go through that but as soon as you're what is that what is a port it just looks like a little bruise um yeah there's like a little nubbin oh oh i see it now yeah yeah so like that is to save your veins from like a thousand million infusions a thousand million thousand million and i'm in the middle of that number i think uh, i'll be doing infusions indefinitely oh really this isn't coming out um but yeah once you're finally plugged into your like christmas tree of drugs and poison you just feel better (laughs) like you feel like you're fighting it you're actively you're finally able to do something about it and then just like your brain like great right we're fighting fighting now for real it's just unbelievably wrong that one of the hardest parts of this journey is having to switch insurances having Mm -hmm. to be on the phone with insurance that is wrong Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sh- you know what I mean, but people listening, yeah. that is not right. That is wrong. That's not how it should be. As soon as you're diagnosed with cancer, you should be assigned a, a human mm-hmm. <laughs> or a robot. I don't care. Um, a nice robot, though. But, like, you need a, an assistant. You need somebody to be on the phone, like, and my partner would always offer, and I'd be like, you know, like, I, I know, like, my work has, like, I know my social, I know everything here, and I just need to be saying it every time somebody answers the phone, I can say my stuff, um, if they answer the phone, um, but yeah, you're fighting, like, the hard, like, the hardest I've fought for my life was probably switching, like, like pushing my appointments up and trying to get information from AHMO and switching to uh, a PPO is the hardest I've ever fought for myself. Like I could take a nap for 20 years just, just from that, but you should absolutely be assigned. I mean, you, I get it. I have a social worker at, at Cedars, but like someone who's really going to fight every bill that's incorrect, right? switch your insurance, like it's too much. You don't, like, you get the worst news you've ever had, and then you have to drown in red tape. Like, I don't think. Yeah. Like, it's already, bureaucracy's already the worst. And then when you're, you like, you couldn't care less about it, but you need it to work in your favor more than <laughs> ever in your whole life. It's like, the oh God. That's why people are like, this is going to be the, the worst part. And I'm like, I, I believe you. Yeah. I interviewed, I interviewed one of my friends, Jared, who um, had stage four lymphoma or leukemia, sorry. Um, And he said this, he said something very similar where it was like, it wasn't until, and this was during COVID when there was like no one allowed in the hospitals and stuff. Mm. And 
he was just talking about once he got a patient advocate, like that is a like designated job, which I feel like I didn't know that until recently that there's a designated person. And he, and he was just saying how this person was fighting all the bills because it was thousands, 500,000, you know, like just unbelievable amounts that no human could ever possibly pay. I mean, one percent you know what I mean and like mm-hmm. and then I was like well how how much did you end up having to pay and he's like they just like knocked it down and down and down and down but I wouldn't have been able to do anything if I didn't have a patient advocate yeah so you can people listening like there are patient patient advocates like out there and then there's stories where it's like oh I had a bill for 15 grand didn't pay it didn't pay it didn't pay it and then it went down to 2500 mm-hmm. for no other reason that other than I waited it out, mm-hmm. didn't pay. And I'm like, cool. I love how everything runs here. Mm-hmm. Having a good time. Yeah, it's real good. Um, the cost of, like, my treatment is um, bonkers. It just looks like made-up numbers. Right. Look at them. Um, it's just, you know, arbitrary. <laughs> I feel like it's just arbitrary numbers. Yeah. Um, thank God I was able to switch insurances. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one, I wouldn't be here. And two, it's it's super expensive, but it's covered. But like even just even just like the chemo light I get now or diet chemo, I call it that because it's more targeted. Obviously, my hair is growing back and stuff. It's not as um, <laughs> nowhere near as horrific. Um, I don't know, it's like 24 grand every three weeks or something. <laughs> um, but like, Fucking insane. I feel like people are aware of that just because of, I feel like insulin is like a good example of how sure. I'm, yep. like, why is it so expensive here in yep. America? Yep. Seems like you made up a number and people are, yeah, they have to have it. <laughs> so, um, it's fun to think about if a if a cure was more profitable, we'd probably have one for breast mm. cancer. Stuff like that is fun. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> so, um, so you do chemo. You're you're still kind of like staying at home because it sounds like you didn't you didn't start like going out and about until recently, right? Yeah. yeah. It, like February I started being out yeah how did how did that feel good scary bad um, it. yeah overwhelming great good scary bad for sure and you know my white blood cells were still down so COVID was still really scary my white blood cells just finally got back into a normal range a couple weeks ago um hell yeah Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and um, right now, I guess, I, I'm very protective of my time mm. and healing and where I'll put my energy. And it's basically comedy, friends, nap, sleep, nap stretch comedy friends go back to sleep um cry about it 
uh, go to therapy, get medicine, take more naps, and then uh, I feel no pain when I'm doing live comedy, I'll say. So I was really excited to come back, although I am so exhausted. I Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see my friends. I want to do comedy. Um, Yo, well, you're fucking great at it. I'm so good to see my friends. <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah. I mean, thinking about performing again was uh, a through line in, like, the hardest times of, like, Mm. why fight because you do have to fight and you do have to choose to fight so you have to think about what you're fighting for mm-hmm. and um a lot of it was just like to be silly again with my friends yeah um yeah were you good at like prior have because it sounds like you're good now at least at like prioritizing like this is what's important to me has that that hasn't always been the case no no um no I always made time to perform live but I never took it seriously that makes sense I never was like yeah but also this is where you can make money and Mm. and put yourself first and Mm. um it's your gift you don't think you're not you know I I think Mm -hmm. there's some like like I what am I really giving it's just like I'm being goofy it's just like people laughing but you're like no like this is a gift (laughs) um as much as uh let's say my nurse I'm like a job I couldn't do right um but she can't wait to get off and like you know turn on whatever and laugh and decompress and everyone's part of the, but like i never let myself think that it was important enough or like um you know have you ever done the actors or artist way stuff like that where you just you just yep. get in your own you're getting your own way of being your final form pokemon of <laughs> of rich comedian <laughs> Um, which is like, why, why is, why do we do that? Like, why was this like, I don't know. I don't want to say that this is you, but I know it's me. Like, what is this like self-sabotage or like hiding or I'm not good enough or I don't deserve, like, it's like, where does that come from? You know? Well, I've journaled about it. Ooh. And, um, it starts when you're really young. Yeah. Um, first your parents are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Funniest. Like, um, I think. I really believed in myself fully until my dad passed because he was such a fan <laughs> and he was funny, um, which like funniest in my family and could see, really see me um, and push, you know, push for me to have good grades and, and be the best. And like, I was like, yeah, if he thinks I'm cool, mm. um, then I am. So I would like run for student body or like run for uh, class president, like put myself in all the talent shows, was feeling good. Um, And then when I ran for class president, didn't get it. And then he passed the the summer after. 
uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I lost that like voice that was like, yeah. And then the other voices of other people became louder. So right. like, I was like Alice in our school play in fourth grade. Um, thir- third, fourth, I was in third grade. But um, I remember the teacher was like, okay, what part do you want to play? And I wrote down Cheshire Cat and Queen and, and some other one. Because it was like, those were like the funny bit character parts. Yeah. So you would just have me be Alice. And I was like, I guess that's cool. Like, that's the title of the thing. Um, I'm the titular character. That Okay, I'll do that. Um, but it's just like, you know, the voice of reason character that's sort of just like in right. everything. And she has like the singing solo. And um, she took me out to the cafeteria when it wasn't lunchtime and heard my voice and was like, I'm going to have the mouse sing with you because I couldn't sing, um, which is fine. I never wanted to be a singer. Uh, but like just those little things you start adding up. Mm. And, um, everyone that came to watch the play in the auditorium like obviously you're missing class so they made it into like a bit of homework like you had to like a few classes had to write fan mail to like whoever your favorite character was mm. so we had this like big stack in our classroom of all the the classes and each person like was like um my favorite were were the cards they were funny that kind of thing um and like i'm just like going through the stack and like there's zero for alice out of like of like 94 um cards it's like the teacup mouse uh the queen the queen the caterpillar the cheshire cat and i'm like wow i got zero i got no fan mail like that's always like the first thing i write in my journal of like you can point to the part where someone said you're not good enough or like you're not a, a good performer or something like that mm-hmm. but those things stick with you yeah um, I didn't get Harold <laughs> I don't know is this too insider baseball do people no. know what Harold is you talk about it all the time talk about it the keep give, give it to me um I didn't I I was auditioning since at least earliest 2013 um so 10 years um so like and that's like why I moved here um uh doing improv in San Diego I like finally was like oh great I'm gonna drop out of college because I found my thing or like I make sense um that's like early to figure that out I wish I figured that out at that age it took me fucking forever uh, I started seriously doing improv at 18 like yeah yeah. that's so that's so cool yeah I, I it was short form but I was all about it yeah um it was cool <clears throat> to feel like oh I couldn't get this in college I was like on the dean's yeah. list at my community college just getting straight A's and also being like this is bullshit <laughs> well, to feel like to feel like you found your place is like a very good feeling you know <clears throat> and I hadn't felt it in a long time right yeah and so like, as you're talking about, like, the Alice thing, it makes me, like, it makes me, it just reminded me of just being in this industry as a whole. And the, like, number of 
nose. Oh my yeah. god. It's not just no I mean it's nose, but it's also like a no to you. <laughs> like Yeah. You're this product you're selling. It's yes. not like Yeah, it's not like any other job where they're just like you did this thing weird. It's like we're saying no to you. <laughs> this is you that we're saying no to. We think somebody else. So it's harder yeah. to think. I'm just crying because I coughed. Okay. Um, <laughs> I muted myself you... and coughed a lot. Okay, you do. You got to do. You cough it up, baby. Do, I'm gonna do, do it all again. Things. Okay, mute, mute. <laughs> yeah, but it isn't you. It is you, but it's also not you, you know, when people say no. Because it's like, I could try to be a... Um, I'll just use a dumb fucking example. A different gender all day. I'm I'm not going to, me personally, I'm not going to pull it off like someone who is that gender or represents that gender or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I could never do that. So at a certain point, it's like, it's not you. Oh, yeah. But and it most is you. It's mostly just how it's harder on us or. Yes. Like we can feel like it's us. Um, right. Correct. We don't want. But yeah, you're right. Um, there is space for all of us, truly. But it do, and, it, it does feel like yeah, it's you. It's like it's yeah, you're, we're not interested in you. Are you good yeah. at like shaking that off, or how how do you shake that off? Um, I'm not good at it. Um, how do I shake it off? Um. I guess I'm just trying to always move on to the next thing. Like, say, with um, the first short I ever put out to festivals, and all of them said no. That felt like shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, then I'm just going to do a better job with my next one and give them what they want and be funnier and better and they're gonna fucking I'm but you do know that a lot of people would go all right I'm not gonna do this anymore yes but yeah there's something at least at least enough still in there that is like no this is what you're doing this is what you're gonna and honestly yeah the next short I made got into like at 10 festivals um and won awards and really I just wanted laurels I just yeah, yeah you want the trophy and mm-hmm. I got it um but it does it feels like shit first um I got a tattoo that says fail so that's helpful because there's no growth you know yeah know. why tell me explain the tattoo um fail um because it is that thing of like I'm not gonna make it I'm not, I'm not going to make this thing or audition or, or anything unless it's perfect. Unless I'm like totally a hundred percent ready and you just never are. And I've also just like shat the bed on stage a million times and thank God, because now like muscle memory, like a kid has to fall off the couch to know, I don't know. And then the kid's probably not going to fall off the couch again. But it's just like, it's it's a teaching moment every time you fail. And then you won't do that again, <laughs> essentially. And um, it's it's still so hard to like 
start to do the thing you want to do because you don't want to fail. Because mm-hmm. again, that thing of like, it's you you're putting out there. Like, and you're being so vulnerable and it's what you think is good and cool and great and funny. Um, so if it fails, like, yeah, what the fuck? If it fails, it's like, what does that say about me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I'm, I definitely am a firm believer in the fact that the growth isn't the failure for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Like I've never learned anything. I've learned so much more from the, the failures in my life than the quote unquote successes. Like I don't learn yeah. anything from that. Like, oh, cool. All right. That, I guess I'm great. And then, yeah. <laughs> but then if the yeah. failure happens, okay, I'm not great. What, yeah. like, let's figure this out type of thing. Yeah. But it's, you know, I mean, I'm, we've both gone through life talking to people who are like, I'll, I'm not going to do that thing because I'm going to fail at it. And I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to fail. So I'm not going to do it at all. I'll just do something else instead. And like, you, exactly. you're an artist. So like, you're just not going to, that's not you, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's easy. It's not. And it will continue to be not be easy at times and then really worth it other mm-hmm. times. Um, yeah, it sucks to fail. And like, I wrote it, or I like, there's a period. It's just like, do it. <laughs> like, I order you to. Um, yeah, yeah, it's such a teaching moment to fail. Have you, I know you mentioned therapy. Have you always gone to therapy? Or is this like a no. new thing? Um, I started when I was 27. Uh, I started couples therapy. And then when that relationship didn't work, I was like, I am obsessed with this therapist. Like, I need them for me. And I need to, like, start undoing all my trauma. <laughs> and we did. And um, I started doing EMDR with her. People That's done the that. tap, tap one, right? Yeah. A couple people have brought that up on this podcast. And I keep being like, I got to do that because I haven't done it. And apparently, truly, not one person has said anything bad about it. I'm jumping. <laughs> it's that good? Like yeah. you're like you're, are is it's trauma specific, no? Like okay, but are you like reliving? You're like talking about it as like tappings are happening, right? Oh yeah, you have to go right through the middle, right through the dark center of it. Essentially relive it. Right. Just so you can process and compartmentalize it differently with the tapping and new narratives you're going to have about it you like insert it into the memories and then because we have creative brains other imagery comes up and then if you have a great therapist they'll um tell you what it like what the symbols of imagery means and work through that and it's so cool and it's my favorite thing and it's the hardest thing and most rewarding thing you cry cry so much i do it with my eyes closed because you just cry and cry and cry yeah, it's I awesome. have to do it. I have to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone uh, this weekend. I I went to Vegas and I was talking to somebody who she's, you know, in her sixties, much older, and she was like, "Oh no, I don't do therapy." She was very much anti-therapy, very much anti um, mm, antidepressants or or any sort of like medication like that. And I mean, she she even talked about like being anti-vaccine. I mean, she got a vaccine. They got the vaccine. Love it was very, her. Much like, very much like I don't feel. I, I, and it was interesting to be like, oh, 
well, why do you feel that way? And I think like this is so off topic. I don't know how why I brought this up, but just like asking people like, oh, why do you feel that way? Or like, oh, what do you think is going to happen if you do that thing? And they're like, well, I never thought of that before. And it's crazy. And then they go, eventually they go, and eventually she was like, oh, well, you know, I was on Prozac for a little bit and it was helpful. So you know what? Maybe I should. And it was just like, it's just, people are just wild and complex. But the point is a lot of people, we're kind of in an insular bubble here who people who go to therapy, but there's a lot of people who are like, no, hard no. Yeah, especially in her 60s that's a different generation and of course I think it's more like loony bin cuckoo like Mm -hmm. right she has to go work on her craziness all the time how unfortunate bless her it's like that sort of I feel like that's a generation no thing and yes we are in a beautiful bubble I also think Gen Z is like slurping down therapy and uh, and meds and whatever mm-hmm. they need to get by which I'm like great oh yeah big time do whatever you need because just existing is super hard um whatever you gotta do to do that do that it doesn't hurt anybody else you know what I mean gosh yep. Yep. I learned that on mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> always a good time to to learn yeah. things on mushrooms don't judge anyone for anything they're doing they're just trying to exist here it's really hard <laughs> So true. ever tried to exist here mm-hmm. it's really hard mm-hmm. um but also really fun yeah yeah we're um god we need a part two we're wrapping up <laughs> we're like on an hour and i don't want to take up more of your time um but i want to ask the last question I always ask people which is like if you could give a piece of advice to someone who is in a low point who is Mm -hmm. has not bounced back yet yeah is there a piece of advice that you would offer um you're gonna be in the position to pay it forward for someone else in your position and it's gonna be a beautiful moment when you're helping someone else out that's in your gonna be in your position um that's one that's one thing I feel about being somewhere low is you're not alone there Mm. it's so hard to remember that when you're low at least for me it's like I'm like no I'm the only which is like obviously a very self-absorbed thing to think a very egotistical like I'm the only one feeling this but it's really hard when you're down to feel like there's ever going to be an up or that anybody else has ever experienced this sort of like emotional pain Mm -hmm. so like remembering that like no there's other people experiencing it and also chances are you've probably done it before you probably have gone through something hard before that you can point to and be like oh I overcame that I can overcome this yeah and guess what? If you're an artist, it's going to be art. <laughs> Lucky us. Aww. Love it. Love Lucky it. us. Also, <laughs> I think you'll be a good candidate for EMDR, just like creatives in general, I think are are best suited for that type of therapy. Yeah. Uh, Do you have like a special, like, is it a specialist in that particular area? Okay. He does specialize in that. Okay. I was lucky. She brought it up, and I was like, I'll do whatever. Oh, so you were just doing, like, talk therapy with her at first, and then she was like, well, what about this thing? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clutch. What about this hardcore thing? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I'm, sad. I'm a sad girl and an anxious girl. Um, and then I changed. Same, but I'm still sad and anxious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sometimes, and I'm still sometimes a girl, but um, my partner's opening the door. <laughs> well, thank you on that note. Thank you for giving me thank an hour you. of your time and your brain. I'll give you another one. We uh, were just getting started. We should have talked more. I want to talk more oh. about everything. Like, we just touched on a little bit of a lot, but now I want to go into yeah. a lot of bit of a Yeah. Lot. Ask me those really hard, hard-hitting questions because I'll, I'll answer them. I didn't even talk about how did that closet just is. How did that closet just open? It's not my partner trying to get – is, is, is he on the floor? He's on the floor. <laughs> so stealth, except the closet just opened like a fucking ghost. <laughs> Iconic. An icon. Never uh. to be seen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest comedian and improviser Lindsay Frank. You can catch her all around Los Angeles, to be honest with you. She's doing shows left and right, but her Herald team is called Lohan, and you can catch that at UCB Franklin. Uh, And go check out her Instagram page to see all the other shows she's doing around town. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday.